Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Oh, Anita, Anita, Anita. We both have stories. You should go first. Stories to tell. Oh, I, I don't know, you guys. Let's start from last Friday. I went to the dentist. <laughs> I don't know about all y'all, but the dentist has become sort of a weird situation, person, experience for me. Number one, because I lost my dental insurance, so I try not to go unless I like absolutely need to go. And I absolutely needed to go. So I went and I had a couple fillings and I got the fillings, whatever. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And a few days later, I woke up in the middle of the night and my face hurt so bad. It was like woke me up, couldn't go back to sleep. And I was like, damn it. Because <laughs> I know what that means, right? So then I have to go back to the dentist. Luckily, I had a medicine cabinet full of expired drugs from like 2014 you know so I was dealing with it and uh, the dentist charged me a hundred dollars to tell me that I needed a root canal and I'm so annoyed I'm like why am I paying you to tell me this that I already know anyway so the first chance I have to get a root canal is on Monday so that's been like everything I've thought of is I am dying I have a hurting face I really want you just to get an implant of a gold tooth. That's it. This could be life-changing for you in a good way. 
I already am trying to get an implant. But a gold one. No, because I'm a widow, Mel. I don't have a million dollars to be putting gold implants in my face. But you could be one step closer to being like Mr. T. <laughs> or uh, what's the Muppets character? Yes, that guy. Yeah. The New Orleans yeah. jazz guy. Yeah. So that that's that's how the week has started. And it's like... But wait, there's more! Okay. Weirdly, last night, my tooth stopped hurting. And... Lest you say, oh, your root just died. No, I've tested it. I used to work for a dentist. It can still feel. It just doesn't hurt anymore. So I'm hoping I've had a tooth fairy miracle. But dun, dun, dun. Enter Mel is in the backyard this morning. And I have no idea how this happened. Because the place where I was in the backyard, nobody can see where I was. If you are on the side of the house, you would not be able to see me. All of a sudden, I hear... Mel! Mel! Someone's yelling over the house and seemingly knew that I was right there. Well, lo and behold, it was Anita's dad. This was at like 8 in the morning. And he's like, did you read Anita's post? And I was like, no. And then he told me, go ahead. Last week, a kid in our neighborhood was diagnosed with COVID. So yesterday, I thought, well, before Halloween, which is going to be tonight... I better get them tested just to be on the safe side. They have no symptoms. I was like, this is merely a formality. This morning, I get the email with the test results, and two of my kids are COVID positive. Can I scream, Mel? The timing of this is not good because it's Halloween. Mm -hmm. So they can't go trick-or-treating tonight. My other son had a birthday party he was supposed to go to today canceled they are supposed to stay inside and quarantine for 10 days oh my gosh Mm -hmm. oh my Mm -hmm. gosh Mm -hmm. and you guys anita is gonna explode Mm -hmm. and i'm supposed to go get a root canal on monday but i'm (laughs) hoping maybe that just maybe that's just not gonna happen no i don't know you're gonna get a gold implant okay that's what i'm gonna do on monday instead we're gonna start making t-shirts that say what would mr t do I already have the idea to make one that said, what would Charles Ingalls do from Little House on the Prairie? (laughs) Michael Landon, that is also dead. Did he have a widow? He never made any wrong decisions. He's like the perfect epitome of a man. Anita, condolences. (laughs) May the force be with you. That's all I got. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mel. (laughs) And I've got a real good one, too. Now, those of you in the Widow Wives Club know exactly what I'm going to talk about because you were there with me. But we are going to reenact for you the situation. One moment. Hang on. I got to get on my my douchebag voice. So for backstory, I have not been wanting to take a lot of the gigs that I took before covid and i moved to new york and back whatever and also those of you that know me know that i kind of went a little reclusive for the past year making a lot of stuff in the basement which is on the internet but not leaving them sound like bombs or meth or something i mean you don't know no comment i'm just kidding but i decided that there are a few people that i will play with and this recording session that I had gotten set up, 
is a company that I've played for for a while. They're awesome. They're so nice. The players are great. It's an instrument manufacturer company, but it's run by musicians and started by musicians. And what they do is they bring in an artist every time they want to promote a new arrangement and some horns and stuff, horns like saxes, trumpets. And we do a video and an audio recording. Okay, I've done this for years. It's super awesome. They're very supportive and, and great, and I've never had a bad experience there. Well, there is one person now that has started being asked to play that's not part of that normal group, but is starting to be, I guess, because he's been on the last several sessions. And it's been fine, like, whatever. But this week was exceptionally different. And right now, Anita and I are going to reenact our interaction when I was loading my gear in to the building and reevaluating all of my life decisions as a result. And Anita will be playing the, the role of dude. We're calling him dude. And I will be myself. Hey, so uh, where do you live? Did you come back from New York City? Yep, I'm here. I don't even know why you moved to New York anyway. There are plenty of gigs here in Utah. Well, Broadway's in New York City, and they offered me a position. And Broadway is literally only in New York City. Plus, it was a really good time for me to get away from the area, because this is where my husband died, and it was really a good choice for me. Wait, did you say your husband died? Yep. He died after a tonsillectomy. This is my sweatshirt, the Widow Wives Club. Wait, that's great. You're set for life. Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, all that money from him dying, you know. I didn't get money from him dying. What are you talking about? He did not have life insurance. Plus, you only get money if you win a malpractice case. Then I go on to explain a few legal specifics to prove the point to him further. No, you're wrong. Mm, I'm not wrong, but tell me why you think that. Well, it's called wrongful death. If someone dies, you get money because they weren't supposed to die. Okay, well, who's supposed to pay me? And that's not how it works. So I then reiterate the legal specifics to him. (laughs) Well, you should come live with me. I'm grossing myself out (laughs) right now, Mel. (laughs) You guys, this actually happened to me on Wednesday. It happened to me, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't even have my gear set up yet. So I was just like, I have to tell somebody. And normally, I just would go text Anita only and be like, guess what? But I was like, this is going to be for everyone. Oh, wow. So I go in, and and I, I set my stuff up, and I then I go in the bathroom, and I texted the Widow Wives Club or messaged, you know, posted in the in the group. You guys, it was the longest three hours of my life, but it was also so funny because he kept being more and more creepy as the session went on. And I had to look good because we were on film and I had to play good. Normally on a gig like that, if you have a creeper, you just avoid them the rest of the night and then you're done and then you're like, I'm never playing there again. Well, guess who is set up right next to me? Me, the creeper. You. Dude. (laughs) So then... The whole rest of the session, he started flirting with me. It's like he heard that I was a widow. And let's, like, be very clear. This person is, like, 65. I'm 39. He wasn't my age. I don't know if that would have even made a difference. It just is gross all the way around. But it kind of was even more like, excuse me? He kept flirting with me. He was winking at me if I would look over at him. 
oh, that's I said to Mel when she texted me, I was like, please tell me he didn't wink. And she's like, he did. He did. <laughs> and he had these tigers on his shirt, all over his shirt. And he would like spin around and be like, see these eyes of the tiger? They're looking at you. They're oh keeping an eye on you. And I was like, it, it was so weird because I just felt myself being like, I feel trapped. And I also want to just start laughing at you. And I just want to get out of here because like, this is why I don't leave the basement, people. So then, so whenever we would have a break, I would go to the bathroom and send updates to the Widow Wives Club. And the comments you guys put in there were keeping me alive. It was so funny. So the comedy and the empathy was just so amazing. And so I appreciate everyone being there for that. But um, so mid-session, then I go back out. We had to change shirts because we did two songs. We had to look different. And, and I go over to walk towards my gear and he's sitting at my keyboard touching it sitting at it nobody does that like don't do that is the cardinal sin you never touch somebody else's gear ever so he was like trying to like definitely get my attention it was so bad and then if i i had my phone on the music stand so that when we were in between takes i would like check the widow wives club messages and like post on it and he started coming over and like looking over my shoulder trying to find out what i was doing and kind of sulking that I wasn't giving him attention. And, okay, so this brings up a discussion. And women are not unfamiliar with this. This is nothing new. It's really my first blatant experience in widowhood where somebody tells me, number one, oh, that's great that you're a widow and your husband died. Oh, and you're rich. And then clearly goes on to be the most creeper of creeperton of all time. So the things that it just brought up for me were I'm here and I musicians are usually chill guys. And so I knew I could go over to my drummer friend who's protective of me and say, here, here's what's happening. But then I was mad. Cause I was like, this is BS. It should not take another man to shut mm-hmm. this situation down. Like I am very capable of doing it myself. However, I'm a widow. I'm tired. I do not want to give him any energy. He's clearly a narcissist and something is just like not right there a lot of things are not right so it's like okay i'm evaluating the risks first of all i'm like pissed that i left my basement that was the whole thing (laughs) then never again never again never again then i am like i know nobody's seeing this because we're all over in our little corner and everybody's everybody's like trying to like be as prepared as they can be with their music and they and how they look you know people are like conscious of their image and so they're like into themselves so no one's like paying attention to what's happening over here with me and this creeper dude so there's a lot going on and and i'm just like getting madder and madder that this is happening and that i i feel like i again like we 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 feel like this as women and we feel like this as widows i know when people are are maybe saying things that we do not appreciate where the responsibility lies with us to be the more mature person or to shut it down or to summon the energy to deal with it and I just was like then mad about that so I really didn't have energy to deal with it so my coping strategy was just to get done and then tell them like hey if you want me on the session I'll never do this again if he's there you can gladly have him but don't call me and I know they'll call me but whatever so the other thing too it's like I know my friends are my friends but musicians like at the end of the day don't want to lose their gig ever They also don't want to come across as jerks to people that hire them. They don't want to cause a scene. So 
I was like, yeah, I could say something to my friends and nothing would happen because they're going to look out for their gig first. And then I'm going to look like the crazy lady dealing with this creeper guy because who knows what he's going to say. And it was just a whole thing. So the Widow Wives Club, all your comments in there were so funny and amazing. So thank you. I appreciated it so much. You kind of saved my mental state uh, at that moment. And I will not be doing that gig again if that guy's there. Or possibly never leaving my basement ever again. But here's the thing. And I've been thinking about this because we've been doing some reels. And there's a reel that I put up. And everybody has an opinion on how transparent we are with grief. Or with the, what do we call it? The messy middle that's going on. And so, especially when you're on social media, people, you run the risk of lots of supporters and you run the risk of trolls and people that are negative. And there was an interaction, there was a comment at at one point, and I've gotten a couple of these, when it's regarding what other people have said to me as a widow. And I mean, I can handle it. Like, I am clearly able to see that there are multiple ways of viewing a situation depending on different people's background and experience and all that stuff. And to be honest, that's why I've stayed quiet a lot of my life because it's like, well, they always meant well. Well, they didn't mean to. So then it's up to me to have that responsibility to, like, be quiet about it. I'm done being quiet about it. So my life experience is also as valid as somebody else's. I think the best thing that we can do as widows is learn how to maybe insulate ourselves knowing that people are not always going to side with us because we are kind of in a different, I guess, discriminatory category. I don't even know what to call it, but but there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about because we have kept quiet. And what's wrong with talking about your experience? When we talk about the ands, it's like, yes, I had this experience and somebody could be unaware that what they said was hurtful. It's okay that we want to say, hey, just be aware of this. Know that when you say that, it causes this perception among people that are grievers. Instead of us being like, well, whatever, I'm just going to be quiet. Being quiet perpetuates that behavior to be okay. I think being a widow is hard. Being a human is hard too. It's like, how far do you go? How, you know, like, what's the middle ground? And and how do you stay true to yourself and give others grace? Yeah. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. But I I think you're I think you're right. It's not like we should suck it up and take it all the time. I think we can also be tactful in how we you know, we present the information and we can give other people grace. And it's like you said, it's the and. We can express how that affected us and we can understand that People usually mean the mean the best, except for that guy. Yeah, hey, he does not whoa. count. He's just gross. <laughs> I think a lot of times when people's excuses, well, but they didn't they didn't mean to. It yeah. was unintentional. That's the problem. It's up to us, unfortunately, to be to bring these things to light so that they can maybe have an intentional thought about it or two and then make a decision yeah. instead of something that's just a habit or a knee-jerk reaction. Maybe they did it because they haven't been well-educated in grief because we don't talk about it. So we talk about it and then it's like, oh, actually, I heard about this. Maybe that's not a cool thing to say. Yeah. But if we don't ever talk about it, then how do they know? I don't know. Yeah. It's a big circle of stupid. I'm going to still talk about the things and I'm able to laugh about the things and it's hard and people are unaware of it, and it's okay that they are aware of it, and then they can choose for themselves to decide if that they want to approach in an empathetic manner or not. 
Whatevs. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas now. Oscar the Grouch. No, a shirt with tigers on it. Oh, I. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mel just fell off her chair. If you are not aware of what it was and you're in the Widow Wives Club, just go in there and find my post and read it and read everyone's. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. Everyone's comments are so good. Oh my gosh. Speaking of the Widow Wives Club, we have started to have in person meetups. The first one happened in. Utah, and they're happening other places. So check out our website. Go to widowwedonow.com, and in the top right corner under the menu, you'll find meetups. Find your area, click on it, and email the facilitator about any of the details. If you do not see your area, that means we need facilitators. So please email us if you are willing to do that. It's really not a big commitment at all. So it might sound fancy and hard, but it's not. Yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be. Very exciting. Wishing everybody a Halloween. Halloween to you. We never wish anybody a happy Halloween or a sad Halloween or a happy or sad any holiday. It's just the fact that it is the holiday. So. Yes, yes. Halloween. And a Halloween to you too. Thank you. If you want to keep the podcast going and we know you do, then come check us out at patreon.com slash WWDN. Patreon's just a way for listeners to support their favorite podcast. And one of the things that you get as a Patreon subscriber at a certain level and up is a shout out in episode. So we are going to do that right now. All right. We're going to start with our first patron, who is our secret dead husband. And she says, Widow Bar Mitzvah Spook. Scary. Werewolf for mitzvah, spooky scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. All right. That's from 30 Rock, in case you're wondering what is going on. Uh, next, we have Constance Dahlbeck. Hey, Constance. Oh, Constance, it's your day today. It's your day. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Gail Paxton. She was ready to come and rescue me. <laughs> She's going to get on her white horse. My favorite was like, Widows, we ride tonight. Thanks, sunshine. <laughs> Astronaut Meisner. Cat. Krista Waite. Sam Finlayson. Amy. Amy Sapp. Ashley Hahn. Christina Shiflett. Danielle Ketterberg. Not a Debbie Downer. Dennis the Saxophone Brazo. Oh, wait. Dennis the Fitted Sheet Brazo. He is so multi talented. Jenny the Taylor. Jennifer Brown. Jennifer Hassel. Jenny Wang. Kathy Murray. Spooky Scary. Kirsten. Leslie Webb. Murray Hoffman. Missy Schubert. Woo! Woo! Rachel Barbosa. Barbosa. Sarah Morris. Sylvia Shore. The Winehouse, Karen Cornejo, who had many, many a cutting comment in the in my disaster. Thanks, Karen. Vicky Spit, the widow of Kirkhoff. We're thinking of you. Anna Tracy. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Cindy Raynaud. Mindy Holmgren. Don Barber. Debbie Fells. Diana Becker. Emily Thornton. Emily Toledo. Erin Posick. Who finally got her shirts. Gabe Lozano. Ian Cini. Ileana Bell Ruiz. Jackie. My mom. Jenny Barrow. Jocelyn Milo. The Fancy Lady. 
Julie Stevenson, Karina Jacobo, Katie Radcliffe, Kara Scara, Lori Farrington, Marjorie Lewis, Mary McGowan, Peter Rukavina, Sarah Kennedy, Shannon Helm, Stacy Saywert, Sunshine Haven Riding at Dawn, Sunshine, please ride your valiant steed named Disco, Tammy Schwartz, Tara Wallace, Val Packer, and Spooky Scary Wendy. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We really, like, so much appreciate your support. It is mind-boggling to us, actually, so thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our cold, dead hearts. (laughs) If you want to buy us a taco instead of being a Patreon, you can do that. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. I got a new taco place for us to try, Mel. (gasps) Yes. I can't believe you went with Becca without me. I know. We talked about it, but you were at a gig getting... I was getting harassed. Yes. (gasps) Gross. And if you want to support us and don't even want to spend any money, then just give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that, too. Yes. Anything that works for you is great. And if not, it's all good. Let's get to our episode. Fine. I am Anita. I am never leaving my basement, Mel. (laughs) And we are just two traumatized widows from the week (laughs) trying to figure out Widow We Do Now. And it's werewolves and stuff. I got excited when I saw Poodle on the streets the other day. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. Oh boy, oh yes. The day is here. The time is nigh. The time is Constance. I get what you did there. The woman, the myth, the legend, the widow. Constance! Tell me if I don't say it right. Dahlbach. Now that's pretty close to be in English. <laughs> <laughs> how do you say it how we should say it? Like, I want to know. So in Swedish, because it's spelt with the two, with the umlauts on one of the A's. So it's Dalbeck. Oh! oh! Dalbeck. All right. Dalbeck. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we will make sure that when we record the Patreon shout out after this, that we say it that way. No, it's really no problem. Dalbeck is really, it's a really common way to say it in English. Since the umlauts don't exist in English. We would like to learn. Well, welcome. Tell us where you're recording from. So I am recording from Stockholm, Sweden, where I am also born, although I am not Swedish per se. My dad's British and my mom's French. So we were talking about this earlier. Your primary language is not English. No and yes. Um, So... When I was little, like up until I was three years old, my primary languages were English and French. And then I started Swedish kindergarten, which was actually really late. Usually you start at around a year old, but I started at three. And um, then I learned Swedish. And since I have been living in Sweden, working in Sweden, going to school in Sweden, and I basically just speak English with my dad and my aunt and my granddad 
and my my nana she's um passed away and French with my mum Swedish has become the language that I am sort of most updated in and English is the language I speak best after that yeah okay now we all feel bad because she's <laughs> no <laughs> she's crushing it so but wait uh, isn't this like on par for all non-american Europe like yeah they speak way more languages than us and they speak English better than we speak English and we're just dumb Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But Then The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're not dumb. You're really not. (laughs) I will not tolerate that type of language to my friend Mel. Okay, okay. Yes, mother. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Y'all know that I'm joking, but also there's validity. We're so glad to have you here and sorry that you're a widow like us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am 36 years old and uh, I met my husband, Yuan. We met online uh, when I was 29 and he was 32. This was in 2015. And um, we got married in May of 2017. A really small wedding. um, And we thought we would get the party done later. You know how you always think you'll be doing things later. Yeah, yeah, you don't get to do that. Um, We had a really um, trusting and strong relationship that I actually feel was made stronger by his illness because he was diagnosed with cancer the same year we got married. But we had already, we had some pretty strong tools in place to have a strong relationship, like checking in, taking care of each other and so on. And we kept on doing that when he got sick and everything after that. He was so funny and he was such a nerd. He liked bird watching and board games and he would go out on long hikes by himself. And um, he liked watching long military documentaries and I'll be sitting next to him painting my nails going, (laughs) oh yeah, really, I'm happy you're having a good time. What was his favorite board game to play? Ooh, so he liked these sorts of one person military strategy things. And he would do a one-person board game. Is that like digital risk? Yeah, but I mean, in real, in real life, and and he would it would be like I have absolutely no idea how they worked, but it was sort of like playing with yourself. So sort of like a really complicated game of solitaire. 
if you don't win, then you feel really bad. Well, I mean, you do get to win because you you sort of this. I don't know. He had a lot of fun, and he would. <laughs> That's what <laughs> he matters. He would do this sort of um, yes, and he would do these sort of print and play things. So it was like you 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 um, you paid for like the game that was in a PDF, and you would print it, mm. and then you had to sort of do like glue it yourself on cardboard and so on he would sit doing it for hours and he had so much fun and i didn't get it at all but he was happy his name is spelled j-o-h-a-n correct yes and then how do you pronounce it you won okay so i would have said johan because you know yeah so Yo-Wan. which is really common yeah is it okay was johan an introvert or did he did he recharge when he was alone? Because the activities you're describing, like long hikes by himself, bird watching, one person games. What what was his personality like? I would definitely call him an introvert. He was one of these people that could. Um, he his his social his social skills were really good. Like he would fit in anywhere. And at work, he was really outgoing um, because he was a um, a consultant, uh, and he for for big companies that needed like change in their structure. So he had to go in with a lot of confidence and show them like how to work more efficiently and how to build stronger relationships, like between coworkers. Um, and he was really good at that, but he needed to recharge when he was alone. And um, he would like go away to meditate 20 minutes every evening. And and yeah, he needed a lot of alone time. Do you guys think that you were like an opposites attract kind of couple? Like you had very different personalities? Well, actually, I am also an introvert, which I know isn't what you would. The thing is, when I'm on the Zoom meet... I get so much energy from you guys. Oh. <laughs> so I can give energy back. But recharging, I do that by myself as well, or with a small group of people that I trust so I don't have to have like a poker face on or, you know, like anything like that. I'm the same, 100%. I feel you. And it's interesting because it's like introvert doesn't necessarily mean antisocial. It can mean what you draw energy from or what takes energy from you. Yeah, Absolutely. What led you guys to his cancer diagnosis? So we got married in May and in August we went uh, for our honeymoon. So we went to a Swedish island called Gotland and we went especially in August because they have like a medieval week. I hadn't been there for, for quite a long time and we were like, we we're going to be there the whole week. And we had um, we had nice clothes that I had made and uh, like Viking outfits. Like cosplay? It, well, yes. yeah, sort of, yeah, and um, and I was really proud of these outfits because they, they were um, they were based off on uh, off of um, Finnish findings. Um, so it's like uh, I I I was in touch with an expert that was really kind and gave me a lot of tips. So uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Wow. So we were there, and um, he had been feeling sort of um weird when he was eating he couldn't eat a lot and if he tried to force himself to eat he would get sick and he got full really fast but it was clear that he wasn't getting the nutrients he needed and we thought that he had been really stressed so we thought it might be an ulcer or like an inflammation 
in the stomach or something. So when he came back, he he went to the doctors and um, they told him, we don't think this is cancer, but we're going to do all the tests just to be sure. But we don't think it's cancer because people your age don't get cancer in stomach. But it was it was stomach cancer. How old was he at this time? He was 34 years old. What kind of prognosis did they give him when he was diagnosed? They thought it would be fully treatable, um, that they had caught it early enough. Um, usually with these type of cancers, and I am speaking only from like my own, what I've been told, so I might be completely wrong. But from what I've been told, usually with the cancers in like the torso area, the thing that kills you is that you don't get symptoms until it's too late because the body adapts so well. So they thought that they might be able to like take it out entirely. So they gave me a, a round of chemo that worked really well. And then they tried to operate. But unusual thing number two, his tumor was upside down. I never even thought about tumors of having a direction. I, I know. I know. So usually stomach cancer, the tumor grows sort of upwards, meaning that what will kill you is that it reaches the liver or the lungs. Your once tumor was growing downwards, meaning it had reached his bowels. So they couldn't lift out his... The thing was they were going to lift out his stomach. That was the plan. But they couldn't. And yeah. this is when you guys were just newly married, correct? Yeah, we, we'd been married... Uh, when he went in for his operation, we'd been married like seven or eight months. Ugh, that's such a ripoff. That's like ending the honeymoon phase pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I know. You didn't even get the good old days. No, we did. It's, um, yeah, it's a really, really bad Hallmark film, isn't it? It's, it's like P.S. I love you. It's, it's lifetime. I'm telling you. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Do you have lifetime movies in Sweden? Not the channel, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> How long did it take before he died with that cancer treatment and diagnosis? Right. So he had um, he had chemo and the operation didn't work. And then the chemo had actually put the tumor in check for a year. So we had an almost normal year with checkups every three months. We were able to travel and live a pretty normal life. And um, then it started pushing back. And I started noticing a pattern that was truly terrifying because I noticed that it was taking shorter and shorter whiles before he had a new problem from his diagnosis to him dying. It was just under three years. Uh, he died um, July 12th, 2020, right in the pandemic. But thankfully, they had eased the restrictions because summer of 2020, there were pretty few cases of COVID-19 um, in Stockholm. So I was allowed to visit uh, because the thing is, a week before he died, I had to call the ambulance because I thought he was getting a stroke. He couldn't understand me and he could barely speak. Um, it was like from one second to the next. I was working from home and I am so grateful for that. And in fact, unusual thing number three, it had reached his cerebral membrane, like the membrane around the brain and through his spine which almost never happens, apparently. He's just super special. <laughs> In all the wrong ways. Yes, he is. And I was like, you know, 
and I was I I actually that was one of my darkest jokes like of course he would have the high ambition cancer cells <laughs> right like that's pretty common for an engineer <laughs> yeah so <laughs> uh so he died he died in the hospital and I was allowed to be there and yes. one of his closest friends was with me and it was really it was painless and calm uh, which I am also very very grateful for that's a lot to deal with your newlyweds essentially you get a cancer diagnosis it's three years right and then he's dead so you've gone from newlywed to caretaker to widow in a very very short amount of time yeah. <sighs> I know that's a lot to deal with but will you describe for us what that was like for you Absolutely. So I mentioned that Johan and I were really good at talking about things. We actually had this sort of like cozy check-in every two weeks where we would, when we had breakfast on a Sunday, we always had tea because I'm British. <laughs> so I will always have tea and he usually drank tea as well. We would sit uh, in the sofa, like holding hands or touching feet or something. And then we would like check in on if there was something we needed to talk about, something we needed to bring up. And also talk about like what we had done well. Oh, like oh, we were this week. We did so well. We planned everything, and we managed to like plan out the week, and there was no stress. Or like oh, we managed that big family dinner, or you know, and we would like give each other compliments and just like check in into the relationship. And we decided to keep doing that when he got sick, and like this illness. Is just one part of a life, our lives. And whenever we can, we will push it back and let our normal life um, go ahead almost as much as we would want it to be. Uh, so we kept having those bi-weekly check-ins. And also something else that we decided was that as far as we could possibly manage, I would not be his carer. Mm. We, we did, I mean, if, if he needed help, obviously I would help him um, at home, but he was fiercely independent. Anything he could do by himself, he would. Anything else, like we were just doing our very best to let the caring come from the people at the hospital and the clinics and further along the road, he got like sort of hospice care at home um, but it wasn't really hospice care because they, I don't know what it's called. In Sweden, you get like, it's almost like a clinic on wheels. So you get a nurse that comes home to you and like checks bandages or takes blood tests. So that, yeah, so you don't have to like go into the hospital. Home health. And we would do like everything we could to um, me not being the carer. I think that's so interesting because for in some ways that's preservative, you know, it, it keeps your relationship not marred by that caretaker role. But for some people, they feel like they can't give that away either, that they have to be the one to take care of their person. I watched my father-in-law take care of my mother-in-law for years, and she probably needed additional care from, you know, professionals, but he just was so protective of that and had so much duty and it was like honor to do that. And I think that sometimes it's healthy to let yourself get away from that and, and preserve your role as spouse or partner and not as nurse. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, there were times when I would, I could not do anything but like watch over him. It was, he was, he had come back from being operated and I was just sitting next to him and he was like, why aren't you going to bed? And I was like, if I, if I go to sleep now, I think you'll die. Oh. And he was like, well, that's, that's why you actually need to come here and go to sleep with me because I am not going to die and it's not your job to watch over me. Mm. So this came a lot from him. He and I, me being someone who really wants to care for everyone, I realized that it was also a matter of pride for him. Oh, interesting. And I mean, I, I had to care more during the end because he was getting these splitting headaches and now we know it was the cancer that we thought it was the chemo. So like I would cook more and, and so on, but um, whenever we could, we would leave the caring to the people who actually were supposed to care the, for him in that way. This is so interesting because just listening to you and, and processing this, I'm thinking these are like the, the approach or the result, I guess, that your relationship and caregiving role and, and what he wanted it seems like what people learn in hindsight, but you guys did it in real time. And I think that's so hard because there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of uncertainty, you know? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's amazing. I've not really heard of a lot of situations like that where you guys were like mindful. Is it because he meditated all the time and he's like, this is what we're doing? I think so. We were also so very committed to, we were two people who were very um, committed to talking about things like we knew that any problem we had in our marriage we would be able to solve and that's sort of how we went into it and I mean if I knew he would die maybe I would have done a different thing but we were so clinging on to the hope that it was truthful so we were like this is a thing this is a hurdle we are going to get through together and we are in this together and nobody gets to tell us how to do it we are a team and we will figure this out. Uh, but I mean, obviously we had fights about it, but yeah, that's, um, and that's, that was what felt right for us. I think that we have to call out though, at this point in time, that the Swedish medical model and the, and the United States medical model are vastly, vastly different. And I think that in the United States, Sometimes we don't have the resources and we don't have the choice but to be the caretaker because, you know, our insurance works differently and, you know, payment for medicine. It's just a very different model. And I think that it probably did allow you to have some, some more leeway and a little bit more care if, I, if I'm reading it right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I am speaking from it from an enormous privilege. I mean, things are not perfect in Sweden, but the Swedish healthcare system being so, um, being so like open to, to everyone and the fact that you can get primary care for, I think like a visit to the doctors with and getting a prescription and, and everything that will cost like the equivalent of $10 and you get paid sick leave if you're grieving for months if you need it. I mean, and we were in a like good place financially and, and 
I am hugely privileged in in so many ways. So you mentioned paid leave if you're grieving. Did you take advantage of that? And if so, how long? Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Not at first, because I told my boss, uh, my boss who was, um, so I do a lot of different things. I work in a municipality, so I had contact with several of my my different bosses in different areas but um one of them uh, called me um regularly to to check up he had also gone through like losses in his close family and, and he could relate sort of and I told him I wanted to come back after two weeks and he told me afterwards that the hardest thing he's ever had to do was not to stop me <laughs> not, to, not to shake you Mm-hmm. because he knew he knew I had to realize for myself that that didn't work out mm. so I got to work and I saw some colleagues and they gave me a hug and I sat down to check my emails and I started crying <laughs> and I would not stop crying <laughs> and then I was like yeah I'm, I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not doing this and I called my boss crying and I was like I can't I can't do this and he was like no no, you can't. <laughs> oh, that's so oh, funny. What a good boss. Yeah. That is also a thing in Sweden that if I tell them I'm sick, I don't have to tell them why. Although, I mean, it helps, but I don't have to tell them why. And if a doctor signs off on my grief stopping me from working, they're not even allowed to see that reason that the doctor puts down. Only someone in HR gets to see that. And that's that. And the boss only knows that I'm off on sick leave. And that's it. Uh, So that's also a very privileged thing. Um, And also since I am also employed like full time and without a stop in time. um, So that's also the privilege I have. What has your family or your support system been like? Do you have a good support system? I have like the most amazing support system in the whole universe. I am very trying very hard not to curse <laughs> because I would like to use the F word a lot now. You can swear. I'll just probably quack you because we're just so scared of our moms. You know, we shouldn't be scared. We've lived through we our husband's though. dying, but we're terrified no, of but our I moms. Want to be, I want to be mindful. I want to try. Oh, oh, I just didn't, since I always go off on a tangent, I was on sick leave for about a month and then I came back on 25% for a couple of weeks and then 50% and then 75% and then 100%. So for about two months until I was back full time after the funeral. Yes. So my support system. So first of all, I have both my parents are alive and living in Stockholm. I also have grown up siblings. Um, So two of my brothers are grown up. And uh, then one of my brothers is married with an absolutely wonderful woman, my sister-in-law, who I consider a sister. And then I also have some very close friends who I consider to be like, I mean, proper family. So there were about 15 people around me. I have huge memory gaps the first few weeks after you died. But I know there was always someone there and people came by and they came with food and like tiny thoughtful gifts like, 
here's a book in case you need writing because that's what helped me when my dad died and if, if not it's just a nice book here you go <laughs> I brought food there was so much food everywhere and um and just like talking to me and and um sending enormous care packages we're, we're talking like boxes of like one meter full of baked goods and stuffed animals and (laughs) what kind of food did they send you tell us everything because this would be swedish food so in sweden a very normal thing to bring to like potlucks and so on are are pies like short shortening like not pies with the with the like savory pies yes like savory pies and not pies with the like hard shell but more like crumbly shells, shortbread, but savory. Uh, So big pies like that, lots of sweets and cakes and chocolate, Um, tea. I love different kinds of tea. So people brought tea and mainly they were just trying to make me eat anything. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just putting stuff in front of me. So yeah, a lot of um, pies and, and cakes and chocolate. I have a very important question. What is the deal with Swedish fish? <laughs> I feel like Swedish fish is all I care about in Sweden. And my sister-in-law said that they went to Sweden and they couldn't even find Swedish fish. And I was like, what is what is this life worth? <laughs> well, the thing is, they're not called Swedish fish in Sweden. They're just fish. It's it's just it's they're just fish. like jellyfish. <laughs> it's just like jellyfish, and they are only in the pick and mix section. Oh, okay. So you're telling me, though, that there is hope that if I ever come to Sweden, that there will be Swedish fish just called fish in the yes. pick and pull section. Not the pick yes. And, and in that case, that case, <laughs> I can help you. Where you get and car I, can, I can also send you okay. some Swedish fish. No problem. So, Constance, when did you find our Widow Wives Club? Because we've known you for a while now. And of course, like Anita mentioned, you are super participatory in there. And we feel like we know you, even though we've never actually hung out in person. So yeah, when did you join? So it must have been the autumn. Uh, I was... I mean, ish. You can yeah, no, so, guess. Yeah, no, so it was like autumn-ish. Um, I had just started to see my therapist in this, you know, this huge ball of confusion and frustration and like... It's not this enormous pit anymore, but I don't know who I am sort of thing. And I was on Instagram just searching for accounts with search word, with keyword widow. And I found, uh, I'm sorry, we're friends, uh, Lauren Lentz, who's been on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, my God. I absolutely adore her account. And she wrote and she posted about being on the podcast. I think. Yes. And then I listened to the podcast. I really liked it. And then I wrote to you on Instagram, just thanking you for the podcast. I don't know which of you I spoke to, but that person was like, yay, it was Anita. And it was like, but we have a Facebook group. And I was like, what? There are people like me in a Facebook group. (laughs) And then I joined and I remember that Anita was really relieved that I had an English piece of page paper proving that I was actually a widow <laughs> because all the paperwork was in Swedish, but I had one piece of paper from the solicitor that helped me with like the, the estate uh, 
questions and she had written something in English to help me like get a refund on some tickets in Ireland because there was a trip we didn't get to go on and I was like I'll send you this it's in English Aww. Yeah. I remember that I remember when we got that actually now I remember Aww. well how has being among your kind helped you Oh, God. So I'm going to try to put into words something that's just a huge jumble of positive emotion. The biggest one is, is absolute gratefulness. So even though I practice absolute brutal honesty in my life, um, also, of course, from a place of privilege, um, being at a workplace that is filled with lovely people and nice bosses and, and so on, and my not being able to be fired if I behaved weirdly because of widow brain. It's the fact that I can go in to that group on my absolute worst day and have someone understand in some way what I'm going through. And just going, like, I can write a long post exactly about what I'm feeling and writing please tell me I'm not alone and like 10 people go you're not alone you are not alone we're with you just please keep reaching out we are here for you or you can go like the tiny post and just this day sucks this day is horrible and I want to lay in a ball and scream into a pillow and people will still go you're not alone we get it we're with you Yes. Also, the fact when I started to sort of learn things about myself and get my life together, that I was able to maybe help someone else. Like I was able to tell someone else, you're not alone. Please be kind to yourself. Please take care of yourself. Please keep reaching out and, and sort of like pay that forward in a way that's not, that was never asked of me, but that I really needed to do to keep that connection that's what i love about the widow community is it seems like so many in there recognize that that's needed kind of i know that we've mentioned yes. before like helping somebody that's a few steps behind us because we've been there ourselves and and i know you're an introvert like you've mentioned but it's been a impressive knowing that you're an introvert and seeing how active you are in there and how you are really helping a lot of people I know like we're we're in there every day and we see what people post and what they comment on and and you've been such a great help I know for so many into help oh building God, that community you. so we just want to thank you for doing that and and not everybody even if they are not an introvert sometimes they just like to lurk and just read what people post so and we totally get that like there's not a requirement to be actively posting the whole point for the community is just so that people are able to be helped however they need to be. But it does show a lot that you in your grief are consciously helping people and knowing that there is a need to kind of look back and like help people to get a few steps ahead. So thank you. We appreciate you so much. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. I am eternally grateful for the podcast and the group that you created. Oh, we're, we're so glad that it's helping. Do you know many young widows in Sweden or in your area? No, no, I have no, I know one widow here in Sweden. That's my mum. My mum is a cancer widow as well. We lost my stepdad to glioblastoma like a year 
before we lost you one. Okay, that's not cool. No. This, it's kind of reverse of our friend Missy Schubert and Dorothy Schubert. Yeah. You guys kind of have a mirror image going on there. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that episode and I was like, oh my God, yes. Um, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah no, so that's, that's my mom. And a widower from Sweden has joined the group this year I've seen and we've, we've like just noticed each other in the group uh, but I, I don't know any widows or, or widowers in, in Sweden and um, all support groups have been have been shut down during COVID so the the widow wives club is actually the the one group I, I have. Constance Something that I have really enjoyed about the Widow Wives Club, and we've been talking about this on Instagram lately also, is how in this strange scenario, we have gotten to know people that are dead. And we would never have known these people if they hadn't died. So it's kind of like they had to die for us to know them. And then we, Mel and I, and the Widow Wives Club, it's like we have become the keeper of these people's memories. And if you're like me, I am desperate to keep Jason alive in people's memories. I don't want him to just be, you know, gone from everybody's minds. And I think it's so beautiful that we all get to share each other's dead people and get to keep their memories alive and something that i learned about yuan is that he planted sunflowers on your in your window boxes and i just think that it's such a cool thing that i get to know this random information about this person that i never got the chance to meet well, that's a really nice example of of um knowing details about someone that makes them unique yeah he i'd gotten this um like this tiny paper cup with um, soil and some sunflower seeds. It was like a commercial thing. And and he found it and he was like, I think I'm going to try to grow whatever's in this. And then it was like, oh, it's sunflowers. Cool. And um, and then he actually managed to get seeds from those sunflowers and plant them the next season. And they blossomed um, like two months after he died. Um, yeah. Did you take it as a sign from him? It makes me think of him whenever I see a sunflower. I've always loved sunflowers. I'm, I absolutely adore them. Their color and how they look, but also the fact that if they don't have any sunshine to turn to, they will turn towards each other. Oh, which is so. That's I know so it's cute. so. What? I know it's so incredibly cool. I've seen a picture of it. They're like turned to each other, like they're talking. That's like you and Yuan. Yeah, because we turn to each other when things were the darkest, you know. Um, so, but I, I have um, and I, there was a poem I, I had read that I've always loved that I had the priest read on Yuan's funeral from um, oh God, is it Elizabeth Fry? Mary Elizabeth Fry. It's this poem that starts with um, "Do not, do not stand by my grave and weep. Um, I am not there. I, I do not sleep. Something like that." And it's about like, I, I'm not my grave. I am everything around you that makes you happy, that makes you smile, like sun on the water or, or 
birds rising in the morning or diamond lint on snow and so on. And I'm sort of like seeing the sunflowers in the same way. Okay, Constance. So you've been a widow a little over a year, correct? Almost coming up on a year and a half. Mm -hmm. What has your life looked like in the past little while? Have you thought about dating, considered that? Are you kind of anti? Are you in the middle? Like, what do you think? What's happening? Yeah, so I am I am currently happily dating. All right. How's it been going? It's been going well. Um, it's very, very new. In some ways, it feels like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm trying to do the same thing as I always do, which is communicate clearly and um, be open to listening to what other people need and think and um basically all relationships need the same thing um no matter what setting they need respect they need communication they need listening they need openness and willingness to learn and uh, they need respect have i said respect already it's important to respect <laughs> each other um and then you sort of dial it up or down and depending on like what the relationship is about so if it's romantic or professional or friendship um they all need the same thing uh so i'm sort of applying how i would approach a friendship but in a romantic setting and that's helping me when uh, it had been i think maybe nine or ten months after yuan passed away I just, I had this huge realization that was both a relief and, um, and incredibly saddening that, and it's weird that I didn't realize it before, but that's widow brain for you, <laughs> that I would always, in a way, love your one. That wasn't something that would go away, like after a breakup, it was sort of set in stone, um, and uh, the way you, when you get to the point where you love someone so much that you're just relieved that they don't have to be in pain anymore, you just sit by that hospital bed and you are just so relieved to see them sleep peacefully. And it's like, that, that type of love won't ever go away. So I am going to have to be okay with loving more than one person romantically, which I am, I am emotionally monogamous. I mean, I am monogamous in, in all ways, but um, it was like, okay, so I'll have to be sort of non-monogamous, but one person is dead. Yeah, that's the part that sounds stressful to especially new widows and then people yes. that are starting to go through it. It's like how and yes. how do you personally deal with that and how does the other person deal with that what has that been like for you well um i did the sort of online dating thing um different apps and so on i've been very clear about my being a widow i either put it in the profile or i will tell them before the first date and just like check if they have any starting questions about it and um then i will also be very clear about like there are photographs 
there are two photographs of you one in my home with a nice candle in front of it. They will never go away. I will talk about them. I will talk about my marriage. It is not like having an ex that you don't ever talk about. Or if you do talk about them, you talk about how bad the relationship was or whatever. That probably like screened away a lot of the guys. <laughs> I think they saw widow. Yeah, no, they, they well, I got, yeah, I got some responses that was like, yeah, I get it. I've been divorced. And I was like, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Nope. Bye. Bye. Um, and then I would also have like my nice connections. Maybe someone's like someone's sister passed away uh, in cancer or something. Like people have been through like pretty horrible stuff. And usually if you open up just a little, you'll get to hear some stuff from them as well. Um, so the dates I have been on have been um, like coming from sort of just like mutually nice um but you know nothing more up to i've been dating the same man for a while now and it's it's um it's going well and um i feel very respected in in my grief and um i get what i need if it's comfort or if it's time alone or if it's swedish fish get some of those too (laughs) (laughs) swedish fish Lots of chocolates. Yeah, no, and it's, I, so if I would try to sort of put this in a sort of advice path, I have found that the only way to move forward in any way is to embrace the and. We've talked about that a lot in the group. So like, I can hate that you one died and I can be very happy that I found someone that makes me happy in the present. I can remember the love that you one and I shared. And I can be aware that I have a lot of room left to love other people. And I can be happy for the life that we had together and be furious that he had to die and actually like the life i have now so complex yes yes it's it's just it's mind-boggling it really is um it's i I saw a thing on facebook about grief and i think it was actually shared in our group it's like there's a jar and there's a black marble in it and the marble all almost like fills the the bottom of the jar and it, and then it said, like, people think grief is like this and the bottle stays the same size, but the marble gets smaller and smaller. And then it says, but grief is actually like this. And it's actually the bottle that gets bigger and bigger. So like the hole that was left in me, that person that also disappeared with all the dreams and, and the goals and the life that disappeared with your one with his life that hole will always be there but i have expanded around it to be able to have more more room around it for other things to like i just it's sort of almost like a survival instinct that something inside me telling me to keep going and trying to have a good life and try to be happy that's actually the only way I've been able to put together a life that works for me. It takes a lot of insight into yourself and introspection and self-awareness 
to put so eloquently what you just said. And I think that's one part where when we live in, in kind of a black and white world or like social media can be so either or, this is what we're talking about. It's not, you can only be sad and grieve your person forever and not move forward. Or it's not, you can only move on from your person and forget about the past. You're doing a beautiful job of explaining how it is to have both of those things coexist. And that's a testament to your healing and your, how you are as a human and your journey so far. So very beautiful Constance like and this Aww. everybody is why Constance has helped so many people in the Widow Wives Club so it's so nice to see our friends move through these different parts of of their healing journey which is going to vary from person to person like timeline and and things and like what they're able to do or not do quite yet and and it's it can be just like a big ball of like <laughs> crazy crazy static but I mean, I guess I should say, and <laughs> it can also be a really beautiful ball of static and and it's fun, fun and annoying just because like we all we're always like, uh, man, we're so sorry that you joined us because you're a widow, but fun and annoying. That's a good fun and annoying. That's a really good like right? putting it on a level that sort of works every day. It's fun and annoying <laughs> to see that our friends can go from living in the crap stuff to carving out a life that works for them, like you said. And all of the things can live together at the same time. So absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that's important. I see in the like the, the widows and widowers who have joined us now, and God, some of them are so... If, if there's someone who joins that younger than me, my heart just breaks. And um, and they're like, yeah, it's been eight weeks and I still can't do anything. <laughs> I'm so lazy. Yeah, I'm we're so like, stupid. Oh no. And it's like I'm, I'm laughing because I'm I'm just like I no no, honey. And it's just you have to reframe it. And I go for like militant self kindness. Like you have to be tough on yourself. You're going like I will not tolerate that type of speaking. Like you would never ever let anyone talk to a friend like that if they were like you know what it's been eight weeks since she lost her husband i have no idea what she wants just clean her house you would <laughs> punch them in the face with a chair <laughs> yes and not even a chair with a blanket on it like you no no have. no 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 it would be like the spikiest chairs <laughs> with splinters you would never <laughs> ever let anyone talk to your friend like that so why on earth are you talking to yourself like that don't get a medieval torture device and i'm sure that you're familiar with them because of the medieval. oh i would i would find one uh, so it's like treat yourself like the friend you're trying to protect from bullies. i think it's also really interesting sometimes when we're just in our own heads we don't see the growth that we've made or the progress that we've made. And then in the Widow Wives Club, like you're saying, you see these widow babies come in and you think, I was there once and I haven't really noticed it, but look where I am now. And it's kind of rad. I mean, it's sad because we're judging ourselves based off somebody else who's just gone through tragedy 
and we get to say, whoa, you know what? We are not sucking as much as we thought we were. Look how far you've come. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so important. It's it's so important to see because you need to be proud of yourself as well. And so many of us also have like our dead people, our biggest support group. Like I, the first, like every, every little tiny thing that I would be able to accomplish the first few months and even now i'll go like oh he would be so Mm -hmm. proud of me he would be so proud of me i'm trying so hard (laughs) not to curse Uh (laughs) i'll just quack you just do it (laughs) it's just and that pride is so important to feel and and i i will never ever judge someone for being in their grief in a way that makes them feel that they can't move forward because everybody's story is different. But I think just starting with trying to be kind to yourself, just like listening inwards. What do I need today? Do I need to be with friends? Do I need to be alone? Do I need to eat something? Do I need fresh air? Do I, what do I need? What would just make it just a tiny bit easier just for a second? And if you think that you don't deserve that, well, maybe it's time to talk to someone or just like reach out in the group. If you are one of the people who is beating up on yourself, I know that we have someone who can tell you (laughs) to be nice to yourself. And Constance will always be there to be like, don't put yourself in the face. And because you do that, you are, you're the playground mom. (laughs) <laughs> the playground monitor. Yeah. To be like, don't talk to my friend that way. Don't talk about my friend that way. Even though if it's a stranger on the internet. And it's true. It's like Constance has helped people to kind of keep in check as far as like, oh, yeah, I am beating up on myself. And it's it's hard. We all have been there. And I just want to say, like, we read every single person's story that comes into the Widow Wise Club. We have extra help reading through those because we do care so much. And, you know, we all have really terrible, sad stories. And so when people are in there, like we care about them as if we're like best friends already, which is so funny because that's what is so great about the the widow community. It's like we are connected with these common threads, but we've never met. We never would have met if it hadn't been for these tragic circumstances. But you do have a family, so to speak, with that community. I think we need to get Constance a, a neon yellow and orange vest and like a walkie-talkie so that she can fully embrace her playground monitor title. She's a ground duty. She's the ground Me. duty. Yeah. The widow, widow wives club ground duty. I love it. That's, that's the nicest And now I know what we're going to call the episode. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yes, that's, um, that sounds absolutely amazing. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but it was um, it was after a Zoom meet, and and I'm not going to say who it was, but someone was talking about them being silly about something. They were like being silly, and <laughs> I immediately started pointing <laughs> at the screen. And Orson Barker, who who mediates, um, who I mean, God, I just love her and the work she does she was like I can I see you Constance I see you wagging your finger and going like no don't say that and then I did like a a picture of me pointing like almost like I want you to join the army and 
And then it said like, you, hey, you, you're <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> and I posted it in the group and it was like, to anyone who needs it, print it and put it on your fridge. Constance is also her own meme. That's how cool she is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Constance, thank you so much. I think we have a really important question to ask you. You know what it is. Mm -hmm. Do we even need to ask you? What is your favorite cheese? And are there any specific cheeses you can only get in Sweden that we need to try when we come? Oh, oh, please come. So there is there is a, a cheese that's obviously, yes, I love cheese. I love cheese. Mm. And depending if I'm baking scones, I will have like one type of cheese. And, and if I'm having like crackers and cheese, I'll have another type. But I eat loads of cheese. But there is a cheese that is actually Norwegian, but it is hard to find outside of Scandinavia, which is a brown cheese made out of goat milk, I think it is. And it's very, very sweet and sort of sharp and it melts in your mouth uh, immediately. So having it on like toast is brilliant. Or you can like cut it up in cubes and eat it with like dried fruit and sort of like a cheesy dessert. Why did they have to make it brown though? I would never eat it unless somebody handed it to me if it was brown. Well, I think it's the process that makes it brown because it's um, it's boiled uh, in some way. I, oh God, I hope there are no like Norwegian cheese people listening. <laughs> um, but, if there are, let us know. Yes, but uh, when, not if, when you visit me in Sweden, I will make sure to have this cheese available. Yes. Okay, what do we do now? European tour. I keep Yay! texting Mel that we have to go to so many places. I'm like, let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go here. And yeah. she just always texts back. Okay. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, but you know that I'm down I know. all the time. <laughs> it's, it's rad. Thank you so much for joining us today, Constance. I think you have your head on straight. I think you have, like, I don't know from when you were little, but especially since you were married, it sounds like you had things pretty straight in your head. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story. We hope everybody else has found this episode helpful. We've talked a lot about the Widow Wives Club and how amazing and helpful it is. So come join us if you're a widow or widower or somebody who has lost their romantic partner. If you would like to help us keep the podcast going, please consider joining our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. There are four tiers starting at $5. So consider that. Or if you want to buy us a taco... Go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I'm Constance. And we're just two young widows and one widow who has made my life worth living again by telling me that there are fish in Sweden. And we're just trying to figure out widow we do now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what one, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled 
all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.